Happy Monday, friends. I'm Claudia Bellafato here with my co-host and friend, Joe Fan. This is episode 10 of Bet to Win. We're in double digits now, Joe. This there we is go. A big day. Big day. The train big day. has left the station. Moving down the tracks. <laughs> I like that analogy. Yeah. That's cute. Uh, big day because not only do we have a special guest, but we have a lot to talk about. We've got NFL Week 5 recap. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk the big fight from the weekend. We're going to talk Bama. We're going to talk your beef. With a famous golf player, which golf is player. a golf player, golfer. golf guy, golfer, <laughs> your beef with Kapka. All right. Your beef with Kapka. It was a crazy sports weekend. It was an emotional weekend for myself. We'll get to the Kapka thing. I watched squid game, which is I don't exhausting. Get it. What is it? Well, you have to watch it. You, 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 of course you don't get it. You watched it. I, we, I will explain it to you later. Okay. It's, All right. it's, but it is. <laughs> It kind of wrecked me emotionally. I'm like still a little bit rattled. It's Are a you? wild show. Oh. Then on Sunday night, I'm flipping back and forth between two different baseball games and Sunday night football. Saturday, what, did you watch the fight? It was super cool to have Andreas yeah. Hale in on, on Thursday's show was... to like just learn the tale of the tape, how we got here. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching, I'm like, they're showing the betting lines before the fight starts. And I mean, Wilder was like plus 2,000 to win by decision. And I was like, don't bet it, sucker bet. Andreas yeah. told me it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then as the fight goes, you're like, he's got to knock him out or else he's going to lose. He's not going to win by decision. And then he ends yeah. up getting knocked out in the 11th. Did you watch it? I, I, I caught the end. I caught the end of it because I was trying to find somewhere that had it, had it showing. And I got there and everyone was celebrating. Some people were pissed off. So, I mean, I, I didn't touch it betting-wise. but It was an incredible fight. Yeah. Five total knockdowns or five plus. Fury got knocked down twice in the same round, got up and was like he just wasn't phased. Mm-hmm. That to me is like would be a demoralizing thing as a fighter. Like if you feel like you deliver your best punch, and the dude gets up and is like, "What? Yeah. I'm good." Where like conversely, Wilder looked like he was fighting like blackout drunk. Well, like no, that, that's what I was nobody say. home, but like still yeah, dangerous and and landing big punches. It was incredibly entertaining, uh, and I'm a big Tyson Fury fan. It's an entertaining dude. Yeah. Have you ever been in a fight? I've uh, been in a few. No. <laughs> Have you really? No. You got that boss, that mean streak, that that Boston in you? I could definitely hold my own, though. I believe it. Like, I'm pretty ripped. Yeah. (laughs) Get that right out of flex. So that was fun. We had a good weekend of baseball. We'll talk college ball a little bit with our special guest. Um, But I mentioned your beef with... Oh, yeah. Brooks Kepka. I have a new enemy in life. You do. Tell us. I have been a Brooks Kepka fan for a long time. And I'm no longer a Brooks Kepka. I'm Team Bryson all the way, which is beautiful. They're coming here uh, for the match day after Thanksgiving here at the Win Las Vegas. Yeah. I am hoping to be there just to chirp Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Let me set the stage. So there's the TPC Summerlin hosted the PGA event this weekend. The Shriners Open, mm-hmm. and uh, I went on. I went Friday and Saturday, but I, I actually I got there intentionally Saturday morning. Brooks wasn't playing great, but he made the cut. And I was like, I'd like to follow him for nine holes. Like, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and it's not a crazy busy tournament, so you can get you're pretty close. It's not like this crazy crowd, so it was really it was awesome. So I, I walked down hole one and two, and um, the way the course works was to go down two, you'd end up coming right back up three. So I didn't walk all the way down to see the green on two. I just kind of stayed in the third fairway, and and I I was the I was with one uh, one of our PR guys, Jake Meister, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, let's just chill here because this is where his tee shot will go, and then we'll watch him hit his approach on three. So. With how the way golf tournaments go is there's a guy standing behind every tee box with like orange, like not flags, but like sticks. 
or yeah. whatever. And mm-hmm. they're like almost like guys on a runway, like yeah. bringing a plane in. Yeah. But the the point of that is to tell people down the fairway um, where the ball is going. Mm-hmm. So if they're going kind of straight up and down, ball's right down the middle. Waving their left hand, it's down the left. Waving their right hand, it's down the right. So this guy, I'm looking at him because I can't see the ball all the way down the fairway. He's, he's going like, like it's dead straight. So like, all right, I'm not worried about it. Someone inside the ropes then like apparently catches it last minute and this dude on the tee box didn't see it or whatever. Four. And at the last, yeah, the last <laughs> second, four, four, four. And I, I, tur- I, 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 I turn and like the second I turn, it smokes me <laughs> in the shoulder. I'm like in shock. I'm like, I just got hit by Brooks's drive. And ow, that hurts badly. <laughs> it was like six inches from knocking me in the back yeah, of the head. Like, it it could have been really bad. And I'm also really lucky it didn't like, hit me in the shoulder blade. Anyway, so everyone comes rushes up. And it's like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm fine. You know, a couple expletives later. Um, they're like, dude, this is cool. Like, Brooks is going to come like, give you a ball or something. And I was like, I don't need a ball. I just, but you know, then I just wanted to be like, hey, dude, it's my bad. You good? And like, also, his ball's going out of bounds, going into the desert. Mm. And my shoulder knocks it back towards the fairway. This dude makes par on the hole. So <laughs> he comes up. He comes up, and everyone's like, dude, you hit this guy. And one of the guys inside the ropes, the one who called four, like, went to his caddy. He's like, hey, he hit that guy. Just make sure he's all good. Didn't even flinch. Goes, hits his shot, moves on. And everyone's like, Ouch. What? Like, what? Like, it's very normal practice for like you hit somebody right. like, or just like be a normal human. Like, hey man, sorry. Like, I don't need anything. Yeah. I don't need a glove. I need a ball. Just be like, hey man, you good? Like, hey, I appreciate your, you know your help. Get me back towards the fairway. Like, make a joke, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. But just be like a normal guy. And you tweeted nothing. It. You tagged him, right? And so, so I walk around to the green. He makes his par putt, and I get towards like to where he's gonna walk right by. And I was like, Brooks, guy, get some love for my shoulder saving your drive. Did you say that? And just I did because I was like a little bit annoyed at this point. I'm like, this guy, the nerves. <laughs> so twice you got rejected. Yeah. So Sheesh. Brooks Kepka is my enemy. I I did. I tweeted out a picture. I don't know if we have it, but like you can see the big welt <laughs> on my back, and I'm just super glad I didn't absolutely crush me in the head because it was real close, and that would have been terrible. Been yeah. He may as well have walked by and been like, good. I was aiming for him. <laughs> Maybe he has Screw beef that with you guy. that you don't know. Maybe he listens I don't know. to our show. Maybe. He just but like, you know, this is one of those things like where like the, the super bad line, like people don't forget. Yeah. I'm not going to forget. You'll never forget. I don't know. Maybe some point down the line, I will see him and I will tell him. It could be 20 years down the road and I'm going to let him know about that time at TPC Summerlin where like, he didn't You might ask. not remember me, but I have the wound to show it. But you didn't say you were sorry <laughs> and that was disrespectful. <laughs> And so and Brooks so, Kepka is now on my shit list. He's added to the list. I've got Damian Harris. Uh, I've got Clyde Edwards Elaire. I've got the Titans and Brooks Kepka. Yes. We're keeping a list. Let's get to work. We should guys. get a list going. Let's let's get to work. But F that uh, guy, man. Yeah. No, that's I'm sorry. I prick. It's all right. It's all right. We move on, right? Yeah. I'd say I'm over it, but I'm not. But you're not. And you probably won't be for a little bit. Correct. That's okay. I'm here for support. Uh, we also have someone here with us, and yeah, I, let's get to I feel our like guest he's going to give you some support as well. Uh, every Monday, we've been having the traders come on, so this I think week we're going to we have to support him. After happy yesterday. to be joined by WinBet lead trader 
Matt Lindman. Matt, good to have you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank That's you. Thanks for sticking through my story. By I got to say, I got to say, like I'm picturing Joe as the guy in Happy Gilmore with the nail on his head. <laughs> who's at the Masters in three years chasing Brooks Kepka down the fairway as he's trying to put on his green jacket. Like, that's what I'm seeing right now. That's exactly it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I but, still can't believe it. I was, like, at home. I was like, I can't believe he didn't say, like, just, like, a quick thumbs up. Yeah. Like, three seconds. And, yeah. I, and I love so that I, we got, I think we got, like, people outside, like, listening. And, like, I want everyone to know that Brooks Kepka's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that guy. Well, well now we all know. The sound effects make it that much better. Uh, Matt, At we some want... point, we'll be able to roll through the sound effects without, like, I know, I love calling it, attention but to it. I'm like, fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're very subtle. It's still yeah. new. Still new. <laughs> Matt, before we get into breaking down the games from this weekend, uh, we'd like to talk to the trader a little bit, just get to know you and kind of how you got into the industry. So tell us, how did Matt get to sports betting here in Vegas? Uh, I got into sports betting about 15 years ago when I was still back in Kentucky. Uh, Signed up for a website in high school, got into it, was hooked by my freshman year of college. So I uh, finished up college and was trying to figure out things to do, wanted to work in sports like everybody, mm. and uh, not many jobs out there. So I said, you know what, let's, let's run with this gambling thing. Let's try out Vegas, see if I can go out there, be an odds maker, be a bookmaker. Uh, so I moved out in 2012 and then uh, did ticket writing and worked for a few different companies. And then in 2017, everything kind of changed. They uh, overturned the ban everywhere um, across the United States. So things kind of opened up, looked like a good move coming out to Vegas a few years earlier for sports betting. So, uh, yeah, since then I bounced around a couple places and started at WinBet last December. Your, your parents must have been thrilled <laughs> to hear got into it in high school and was hooked by college. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we kept that on the down low. Yeah, so like, as I can imagine. It was like the week before I said I want to move to Vegas. Like, yeah, I bet on sports. And then let's tell, you know, kind of. So, yeah. There's yeah. this thing I've been doing for years and years. It's actually my favorite hobby. <laughs> and I'm going to make a career out of it. Yeah. So you guys all bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're responsible for the book. Uh-huh. I bet on a couple games a week. And just feel like I'm sweating nonstop. <laughs> 24-7. I just am picturing you on a Sunday where you're sweating your own bets, but then looking at the book's liabilities and saying, oh boy, we need this result, we need this result. And it's just, do you just get used to it to where you can keep your anxiety levels here? Because I'm an emotional wreck pretty much every time I'm watching any game that I have any money on, even if it's inconsequential in terms of like the amount. Yeah, you do get used to it. I think that... Um, if, if you start to look at it over time as things that you can and can't control, there are a lot of bets, especially with NFL, there's a lot you don't have control over. You really can't dictate mm -hmm. what the people are going to bet. You can't really dictate what sides you're going to need a lot of the time. So it's a little challenging uh, sitting there, and you, you maybe like one side, but every single square in the universe is on the same side, and they're pounding it, mm -hmm. and you're losing you know, six figures or something to the side you like. It's hard to sit there and watch that. Um, but you have no control over that situation. What bothers me is when I move a game from three to two and a half and they bet minus two and a half and it lands on three or mm -hmm. vice versa. That's what I care about. I want to be at the best possible number at all points in time so that we are putting ourselves in a good position. We're not getting middled. We're not getting scalped all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really tough. You're in there. You're rooting for your own stuff. Hopefully that lines up with what the book needs if you've done a good job booking. Um, but, you know, after a while, yeah, you do it every Saturday, every Sunday for years. You, you kind of stop yelling at the TV so much. So... Uh, I'm, I'm getting better, but we still got some young guys in the room that haven't quite figured out uh, how to calm their emotions yet. Okay. It's definitely a process, and you talk about you can never really predict. We always say it's any given Sunday. You never know what's going to happen. 
and I want to get to NFL, but we have to talk a little bit of this Bama game from the weekend with college because I'm sure that was crazy for you guys. They lost to the unranked Aggies. And if you look, of course, everyone throws up articles like, this is what this game did to Bama's winning streak, to this and that. So it snapped their 19-game winning streak, but it also snapped an 80-game streak under Saban where his teams were favored by 10-plus points, and they won straight up. So explain just what this loss meant to the book. I mean, this was so stunning that I, it, you know, it's gotten to the point with Bama where I just check the score on my phone, and if they're leading mm -hmm. with five minutes left, I assume the game's over. Yeah. So I'm at home. I'm checking the score on my phone. I see that they're up seven. I'm like, oh, they've taken care of business again. They're going to be fine. And then I get, a, you know, I get bombarded with text 15 minutes later that Texas A&M's won the game. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, it's really gotten to the point now where people don't even try to beat Bama. They don't bet Texas A&M mm -hmm. money line seven to one anymore. You know, that happened from... 2011 to 2016, but after you lose so much money doing it, they, they just give up. So we actually did very, very well to that result as a result of a lot of people throwing Alabama money line into their parlays. So you got a lot of people that just want to try to cheapen the price of that parlay. They see a big favorite. They think, you know, like you said, Bama's won 80 straight. No way. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that ended up being a huge result for us, something that we did not expect to come in uh, later in the day. Um, so, yeah, Bama losing is big. I think if we can get any top five upset, it's usually pretty big for us. That was such a fun game because we just don't see that sort of game happen to an Alabama. Mm -hmm. Alabama is dominant in the trenches, especially defensively. And Zach Calzada is throwing out of clean pockets. Mm. We don't see them get gashed in the running game. We don't see guys running wide open in the secondary. We don't see teams respond. Alabama is a team that breaks your will. And as, as, as tough as, as Texas A&M fought that entire game, the second that a &M, or Bama takes that seven-point lead late in the fourth quarter, you're thinking that's finally going to be the blow that, that, that takes A&M out. And then they score. And then they get a stop. And then they make a two-minute drive and kick the field goal as time expires. That's a really fun game. And when we talk about – I mean, I went on a big rant last week with Matoy about how I'm out on college football – not that I don't enjoy it, but I just prefer NFL yeah. so much more. I thought because, of you. In the because <laughs> the, the week prior, the 8th and 12th ranked teams in the country combined for like 17 points. So now you have this incredible upset of a team that wasn't ranked, had two losses on the season already, but they're at home. The, the fans are rushing the field. You see the, the video of like the kicker's family. Oh, they're sobbing awesome. as he makes oh, they it. Were, they were. Now, I got goosebumps watching that. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was awesome. And Zach Calzada was a baller. Also, Bryce Young is a stud. Mm. I love watching that guy play, and he's going to be playing on Sundays. But that was a really fun game. It, it was just it was neat to watch because it's just so anti what we watch every week with Alabama. Mm. Yeah, I have a feeling though Bama's probably going to come back and, and win the next one. <laughs> so we went through and we updated our prop on Alabama or Georgia versus the field yesterday, and we only moved it like forty cents. Really? <laughs> They're still yeah. a huge favorite over the field. Yeah. So, uh, if Alabama runs the table, obviously, and then knocks off Georgia, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. So. Very exciting game. Uh, and if I was exciting, too, I guess it depends what side you were on. For you guys, not great. Exciting for, for us. <laughs> exciting we for us. We got it back. We had glad we can help you all out. We, <laughs> had, we had Matoy here last week, and like I got abused in week yeah. four. And Matoy's like, yeah, you did. And we <laughs> won that game and that game, and this was a great result, and yeah. that was a great result. And I was like... This guy. Yep. I got to be careful what I say then, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's start with the Eagles Panthers game because you talked about how the sharp money drove Eagles down from plus four and a half to plus two and a half. And it was a pretty slow game to start. Um, you know, Hurst didn't have a great game. He made some plays when it mattered down the stretch. But either way, 
I mentioned that line movement. Can you kind of talk about what that looked like from the book side of things and kind of where the action came in on at what point the most and what made you guys drive that down to two and a half? Yeah, I think um, there was some suspicion earlier in the week that McCaffrey is maybe going to come back and play against the Eagles. And so the, the line was up above a field goal. And then I think as the news started drifted in that he probably wasn't going to be available, it started to creep down to three and a half, three. Uh, Panthers have looked really good so far, but coming off tough loss to the Cowboys. And I think that the Eagles were coming into a pretty good spot coming into that game, catching the Panthers when they were. Um, so we, we moved the number all the way down to three, and we're thinking that we're going to be pretty steady right there. And then we took a big bet plus three about 30 minutes before kick. Mm -hmm. So we went ahead and moved to two and a half, which it takes a lot of money to go through three to two and a half. Um, but we went to two and a half, and we got a little bit of money on the Panthers before kick. But, uh, yeah, the Eagles got it done. It, Panthers looked pretty good most of the game, but I think the Eagles got a late touchdown and then uh, got the stop they needed. I mean, that's a tough loss for Carolina. When, when New York Jets version Sam Donald shows up, it's going to be a tough day. Yeah. They had no business losing that game. Their defense was dominant throughout. But when you can only score three points in the second half, you're not going to beat anybody. The Eagles didn't play well. Jalen Hurts did not play Hurts a very good, a good game. game. Yeah. He got the two rushing touchdowns at the end. But Sam Donald was terrible. 21 of 37, a buck 77, one touchdown at the three picks. And it's the turnovers um, that have, have plagued him his whole career. It felt like he was past that these first four weeks in Carolina. And even the Cowboys game, I think you could more chalk that up to the Cowboys are a really good football team as opposed to Carolina being fraudulent at 3-1. and one. But this is a bad loss for them. And, and we, we've talked about games last week with Matoy where no matter how it ends, you're going to leave feeling like you were on the right side of it. And I'm sure Panthers betters are saying there's no reason they should have lost that game. That's more of a bad beat than anything. And uh, it was just an ugly, a poorly played game. There were a couple of games like that over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Saints-Washington game, I'm curious to see kind of your take on this one. You, you mentioned we saw a mix of sharp and square money, which I kind of want you to get into as well for those who are listening. Not exactly sure what that means. Uh, you said a good amount of the money drove the Saints from minus one to minus two and a half. The result is double digits uh, for the Saints win. Lots of mistakes in the Washington secondary. We've been talking about kind of how that's going to affect this team a lot different than what we expected coming into the season. Heineke, as we know now, not really that great against defenses. We weren't sure what to expect from him. I think we have a pretty good idea at this point. Uh, this was one of the smaller spreads on the slate. What was the difference in your view of these two teams pre and post game? Like what, what sort of the respect these two teams are going to have going forward? You know, we, we talked about this game before it started, and I said, I think that this line is assuming that the Saints are a similar team to what they were last year. Um, and the guy next to me said, yeah, I think they are. He, he said, I think that's reasonable to say. You know, I said that I thought this team was a little bit worse than last year's version. Um, so it's really just a matter of opinion. But um, the Saints coming off of that loss at home to the Giants, of course, you're, you're probably going to get knocked down in your PR. The number's probably going to disrespect you the next week after a bad loss like that. So I think both squares and sharp betters, which there's a misconception that it, they're always on opposite sides, and that's not necessarily mm -hmm. true. I think both said, okay, this is a good bounce back spot for the Saints. Square this, being public. Correct, mm -hmm. yeah. This um, you know, Washington team, I think their two wins are against the Falcons and Giants by one on a last second field goal. So this team is maybe a little overvalued right now. So I think everyone kind of saw the writing on the wall with that one. So we were a little more aggressive. We got to two and a half pretty quickly. 
it didn't end up being one of our bigger decisions, but you do have to identify the times that your more intelligent betters are lining up with everyone else mm -hmm. and try to avoid, you know, an avalanche in those situations. This was a, just an ugly game from Washington. Their defense continues to be such an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. You have the Hail Mary, the 49-yarder to Marquez Callaway at the end of the first half. The very first possession of the game for the Saints, maybe it was the second possession, 72-yarder, uh, Winston to Harris. It's just bad from them. I mean, talk about, man, hand up. I couldn't have been more wrong. And yes, I, I, I was anticipating this offense having Curtis Samuel healthy and having Ryan Fitzpatrick healthy, but that wouldn't matter if those guys were in there. Samuel got hurt again yesterday. Heineke's had his moments, but he, he's up and down. But the defense can't get stops. And you look at the number of busted coverages and just and broken plays in the secondary with a pass rush that is nowhere near how it was hyped going into the season. Just ashamed, just sad and disappointed by myself that I fell into that trap. Is Washington added to your shit list? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, this thing's going to be long here in a couple weeks. Oh, for sure. And your boy holds a grudge. All right. All right. No, they're really not because I, <laughs> yeah. I think I was just wrong. I think I was just wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think yeah. I'm more at, I'll, I will take ownership of that one, okay. you know, compared to like blaming someone else. Yeah. Shit list is usually cool. for blaming others. Well, I was, I was going to say, so they're not joining the Titans. I no. Okay. No. All right, so Titans, I didn't bet Titans this game. I stayed realm. away from it because to yeah. me, I, was, I, I don't like either team. Both of them have been bipolar. Uh, yeah. Jameis Winston is the most uh, polarizing I, quarterback yeah. from a week to week basis. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I saw a funny tweet that said, when red zone goes to, a, a Saints snap, and it's it's the Saints offense. Jameis Witts has the the highest variability. <laughs> it's so because it goes true. red zone. You're like, all right, was it a yeah, seventy yard yeah. touchdown or this heinous pick six yep. that he like tried to throw with his left hand? Because yep. it could be anything. Every time he throws, I'm like, yeah, I hold my breath every time. They're yep. on my list. Saints are on and my list. And you see that variability in their results. I mean, the first yeah. win I beat the Packers and then lose mm -hmm. to the Giants at home. You know? Going into this game, yeah. they were two and zero as underdogs, zero and two as favorites. They they now got their first win as a favorite. Yeah. I'm staying away from that team. Uh, another team that we're both staying away from is the Titans. They won as five-point favorites against the Jags, 37-19. Titans open minus four. Um, you mentioned that you guys wanted Jags money here, but everyone kept <laughs> hammering the Titans. And you mentioned the controversy surrounding Meyer. So do you guys do take that into account. It's not just a purely statistics-based thing from game to game. Everyone takes it into account. You know, and I think that that's one thing that, a lot of people probably assume, oh, well, they're maybe not factoring in that Urban Meyer and the situation mm. in Ohio and all that last week. It's 100% baked into the number. Yeah. I think this number probably would have been three, three and a half if, if all that wasn't going on. But you're, you're just going to have everyone want to you know, line up to bet against the Jags pretty much any situation they get. So we're trying to figure out, do we think the Titans are the right side or not? And this is a, a situation where everyone actually does like the Titans. So very similar to the Saints. We're trying to stay ahead of the market. We want to take as much dog money as we can. Um, so I think we were at like five, five and a half on that game when everyone was at four, four and a half, mm. and we still couldn't get any money on the Jags. Now, so, why not blow it up to a touchdown? Uh, we went to six at one point. I think it was as high as we went. But there's something, there's just some numbers as a bookmaker you're not willing to cross based on where the market is. Um, for me, going to seven when everyone's at four and a half is, is just way too aggressive. Um, I'm willing to trust the market, trust the sharp bettors. Um, but, yeah, it was just one of those games where you're begging for the money and you just can't get it. And, uh, you know, another situation where sharps and squares both kind of line up that they mm -hmm. agree the favorite's the right side. So, Trevor Lawrence looks good, silver lining. I mean, each week he continues to get better. I mean, J 
James Robinson had a monster game with 149 yards and a touchdown in this. Trevor Lawrence, another rushing touchdown. I think so much of rookie quarterback success is based on situation. And I feel like right now he's overcoming situation. I mean, they were, I have them really think three of 10 uh, on third down, one of three on fourth down. And on one of those fourth down plays in the red zone, you're still semi in the game. And you give it to Carlos Hyde. So taking the taking the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hand, obviously the Urban Urban Meyer, you know, stuff that that has been a distraction all week. Had a couple of replay that reviews that didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. It's tough being a Jags fan. Yeah, well, but I think you can feel good that Trevor Lawrence to me looks like the guy. I mean, he's making a couple throws each week. His athletic ability, um, in terms of of being a runner as well, I think is one of you know upper tier in terms of NFL quarterbacks. I just. I don't know. I mean, there's no way Urban Meyer makes the season right if he if this uh, continues. I, I don't see how. And I mean, that was the big question too with Lawrence, though: is this team going to ruin him? Because we all knew he was a good quarterback. There was a reason he went number one overall, you know. So, and those first few games, it's like, was that an overreaction? To is this team going to destroy who we know Trevor Lawrence to be? But I think the so- one saving grace, and Matt, I'm curious for your take on this with the Jags, because everyone's going to want to bet against the Jags. They, they think that they might fold, might cave on Urban. But with a, a popular rookie quarterback, is there enough pride there that will keep this team competitive where they're not going to want to put him out on an island where the offensive line gives up, players around him give up, defense gives up? If this guy's coming out, giving everything and, and doing his best to give his team a chance to win? Yeah, I think the Jaguars knew what they were walking into before the season. They knew this was a rebuilding year, year to develop their quarterback. You got a new coach who's never coached in the NFL before. And obviously that hasn't worked out as well as everyone was hoping, and there's been controversy surrounding Meyer. But this is still a, you know, an organization in flux. So I don't know what their players would have expected, but you've got to know that you're probably going to be sitting at 1-4, and 1-5 and five at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. You've got to work on building, like you said, in the second half of the year, develop some of that chemistry with Lawrence and his weapons. Um, that's, that's just a position they're in right now. And they're professionals, and I hope they realize that when you're on the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be playoff every year. Like, yeah. um, so they got, they got some things to do, and that's just where they're at right now. It is, I have to say, it must be really tough as a fan to not only not probably like the head coach right now, but also they're just not playing well. Like, you look at the Lions, like, everyone loves Dan Campbell. You know, he's yeah. so, he loves his team. He has so much emotion, like, he his team crying. is, he's he never was... not going to take a flight home with his team, no matter how terrible they're playing. <laughs> and it's like, if you just compare the two, it's like, I hate the Jacks. You know what I mean? Well, it I must think, be brutal for fans. I think it's very nice of you to find an argument for anyone to be a Lions fan. That, yeah, it's very, that, that's, very that's true noble too. Of you. But <laughs> your that coach crying at the press conference earns you some sympathy points. It has sure. to, right? I yeah. mean, he's a likable guy. <laughs> uh, one team that we did see some controversy with preseason was the Packers uh, with Rodgers. They won against the Bengals 25-22. You mentioned how the sharp money drove a Bengals from plus three and a half down to plus three, but never two and a half, which saved you. And I want you to touch on that. Some books did end up getting to two and a half. So what was kind of the decision factor on not going there? This was the most fascinating game I've booked this year because we had uh, half the room like the Packers, actually. They made the numbers above a field goal. Um, I like the Bengals personally, and I was, I was standing on that island all week. So Sharp Money was driving that number down. It started at three and a half, and we got to three. We, it didn't take too much money to get us to three. Mm. But then when I, I want to say they announced the uh, Jair Alexander was out for the Packers, that was when the number started to creep down through three to two and a half. 
So we had a decision to make. Do we want to go through three and risk ourselves of going to two and a half and having people bet minus two and a half? And if it falls on three, we lose everything. Or do we want to stay at three and hope that we can, um, you know, kind of slow down the Bengals bets by using minus 120 on plus three? Mm -hmm. So we stayed at plus three, minus 120. We never moved off two and a half. And about an hour before kick, we took a big bet on minus three even, which we were all just breathed a huge sigh of relief. We were so happy we didn't go to two and a half. And so now at this point, my, this is where we're talking about things you do control, and this is a situation we did control. Yeah. So now, I wouldn't say I was rooting for it to fall three, but it was a great consolation if it fell Packers by three. Mm -hmm. So when it did, we saved a huge bet, and any other money that came in on the Packers in the last two hours by staying at three, all that money pushed instead of one. So that was a big win for us in the room. Did you end up, did it, was it more of a wash, or was there a, a bit of a win because the money line tickets were on the Bengals. I'm guessing that we probably broke even between the money line and anything that happened at three and a half, but almost everything was at three. So almost all of it was a push. So while everyone's stressing out over all the kickers making field goals, <laughs> at that point, well, do you need a field goal? What would a tie We needed done? the Bengals to win. The at the end of the day, that was the, you know, we needed the Bengals to win. A tie actually would have been an interesting result. It's, you just push all the money line bets. I'm not sure what would have played out. Um, but yeah, we, we were rooting for the Bengals, but it was just Packers by three was, you know, not the worst. That was five missed field goals. Mason Crosby crazy. missed I mean, I, I was laughing. I was Evan like, like what is going on? That game was bonkers. I didn't understand the whole stopping at the 30, like keep, yeah. keep playing off. If, if a game ever deserved, I'm anti-tie. I went on a big like rant, rant last right, week yeah. about thinking they're saying that overtime should the game clock shouldn't exist in overtime. Yeah, play clock, sure, but but no game should be able to end in a tie. This game deserved to end in a tie from, again, it was like, you know when you're watching a game on TV and you have the, the broadcast puts up that line of field goal range? Mm. It's obviously not painted there. The coaches don't know. But it's the second they got there, coach is like, all right, we're good. Let's send the kicker out. He's got a 55-yarder, no big deal. He's, he's missed two in a row or whatever, but yeah. this one's going to be the one. I don't know. That was a wild game. I think Joe Burrow, I'm curious, I mean, that him and Jamar Chase, that the LSU connection, Jamar mm. Chase, uh, six for 159 and a touchdown. He is putting up ridiculous numbers. He's got 456 yards, five touchdowns, the fifth rookie ever with 50-plus yards in, this, in each of his first five games. He's got two 100-yard games. I mean, it, the, the Bengals have seen this. This is Carson Palmer, Chad Ochocinco. This is Andy Dalton, A.J. Green. And I'm really curious what Joe Burrow's ceiling ends up being. Can he surpass those guys? The, people forget that Andy Dalton was a really good quarterback. I mean, he took them to the playoffs, couldn't get him over the hump uh, to where they never won a playoff game. This guy made three Pro Bowls. So I think we look at Andy Dalton as this guy who, you know, people hate on him because of what he did in Dallas and now Chicago, but... He had some really good years in Cincinnati, so it's not go, It's not just a foregone conclusion that Joe Burrow is going to be better than him, but um, it is going to be interesting to see how those two can compare down the road between the other connections they've had in, in recent memory. I'm worried about Joe's head. Is he okay, that hit? Yeah. I mean... He, dude needs to learn how to slide. But all... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I screwed on the TV. I was like, slide. I thought you were talking looked, about me for a second. Looked, and I was like, are no, you okay? I was like, no, you're Brooks not got me okay. the shoulder. Brooks well, got I was going to agree. I was okay. going to agree with you. And I thought you were talking about, because I don't think there's any scenario where Joe Burrow and Andy Dalton can be compared. But that's just me. Why? Because mm. Joe Burrow, I mean, from what I've seen, obviously we're in year two of Joe Burrow. But from what I've seen in college, which was a historical 
best season of all time, you could mm. argue, from a quarterback. And then what we saw out of his rookie year and so far his second year with most – the learning curve is usually way higher for most guys. I don't know. I'm very impressed so far. Andy Dalton was a pro bowler year one. Joe Burrow, I think, has a shot at a pro bowl. I, I feel pretty I good. I agree. Yeah. Like, I'm just I, saying I think people forget that Andy Dalton was pretty darn good. Yeah. Like, that's not just, like, a low bar, bar to clear yeah. that you just step over. Like, he, he's got to get there. I don't my, know. My expectations are higher. I don't know. I expect My Burrow expectations are as well. I, yeah. I'm just – I'm curious to see how it plays out. Obviously, I'm rooting for him. They're really fun. That's, I mean, that's a fun pairing, him and Jamar Chaser. Yeah. You go from college teammates to stars in the NFL. Yeah. is pretty cool. I but. couldn't believe they used a fifth or sixth overall pick on that, but that was a great move. Yeah. Instead of Panay yeah. Sewell. Yeah. 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 So far, so good. Well, let's hope Burrow State learns how to slide and stays healthy because we'll need that or else <laughs> we won't have many stats to go off of for him. Uh, Cardinals 49ers. Cardinals minus five and a half before kickoff. Win at home. Uh, opened at minus four. You basically said you want whoever Arizona is playing at this point, now five and oh. This week's number got driven from four to six. San Francisco just couldn't really get it home. With the Cardinals being such a big threat to pretty much every team, it seems like, at this point, when are we going to start seeing them lay nine, lay ten, like the Bucks and Patriots who are coming down to the wire with the Texans and, and teams that can't really live up? Like, when are the Cardinals going to get that sort of respect? I mean, we're getting close. I, w I was really surprised by yesterday's number, and I know Lance is starting, and the Cardinals look so good against the Rams, so I get it getting driven up to six, but – I, if you told me the Cardinals were going to be laying six against the Niners in the preseason, I would have told you you're crazy. I just mm -hmm. did not see that coming. Um, so this team, yeah, they, they continue to improve. I think you could see things coming together last year with Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray, and now they're really taking that next step. But I just wish they could do it in a year where we don't move into Arizona three weeks before. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it yeah. is all Arizona money all the time, all Cardinal money all the time. And we, we can't beat them. So, uh, yeah, but we need them to But this is another off. one where you should have beat them. Yeah. The I mean, and thankfully, I had the Niners in the tees that, that was over 10. So, so I covered and won that. But I like the Niners here. I like them at five and a half and six. And they had every opportunity to cover it. They wasted a really good performance from their defense. They went three of 11 on third down, one for five on fourth down. And we're not talking fourth and eights, fourth and nines. We're talking fourth and one on the goal line. We're talking fourth and inches on in plus territory. This wasn't Kyle Shanahan's best game. I don't think Trey Lance was was remarkable. Certainly not. Certainly not flawless. But 89 rushing yards, escaping a very impressive pass rush that J.J. Watt dominated this game. Chandler Jones dominated this game. Trey Lance gave them a chance to win. Had some nerves. Sailed a couple balls high like we saw, you know, even the week prior with Tom Brady against New England. That's kind of the tendency. You get a little jumpy, put too much on it, lose your touch a bit. I'm curious to see what Kyle Shanahan does. After the game, he said Jimmy's still our quarterback, which to me is, is a huge mistake. I don't think Jimmy's winning that game. Their ceiling's only so high with him. Like, ride the rookie. You're 2-3 and three now. You're already under 500. See if you can, can strike lightning with a bottle. Uh, find lightning in a bottle. Strike lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. I don't know how that I phrase goes. But you I, don't I don't know. I don't you know. Like you say a lot. You say a it's lot catch. of phrases that I don't Isn't really it catch? know. Yeah. Catch lightning. Catch lightning in a bottle. Yes, Matt. Boom. <laughs> Thank you. I Matt. think you got. I think I, I, I. And I did a social video on this last week. I'm. And I, I've been all in on Trey Lance since this. You know, quarterback controversy started. And I think you got to stick with him. I think you've seen enough from him yesterday. It wasn't perfect, but you're playing a good team. He gave you a chance to win. And, um, yeah. The book losing that line to me, I mean, they, they should have, Niners should have been able to cover there. All right, so we got a standoff. You guys disagreed on the Dalton thing. Do you agree? 
Should it be Lance or should it be Jimmy G? I'm fine with Lance. I think any okay. situation you've got a you know basically a lame duck quarterback, just go with the younger guy. Yeah, you yeah. know. But poor Jimmy G. Yeah, I still have a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, He'll be fine. <laughs> Bills win at Chiefs, 38-20. Bills open, getting three and a half. Sat around one and a half before kickoff. We were both hot on the Bills going into this game. Uh, Kansas it City. It seemed has, like everyone was. I, that's what I. Yeah, from Twitter, from everyone I talked to, like everyone was heavy on the Bills. Almost confused, you know, why the Chiefs were a favorite here. What was the take there? What was the reasoning behind these lines? You know, if I had to guess, I would say that everyone who was betting the Chiefs thought the Bills were a little overvalued after pounding on what was it, the Texans and. Somebody the week before. The Texans, Miami. Washington, and Miami. Yeah. If I had to guess, they're fading that, thinking that the Bills are going to come back down to earth, you know, and then KC's going to step up. But KC's just been a money pit. It's been really hard to make money betting on them. Um, we actually, we needed the Chiefs about an hour to kick, and then we took two big bets on the money line and on minus three in the Chiefs. And usually the situation when we have a day like yesterday, the Sunday night game's not going to be good no matter what you do. It's going to be red-red, they call it. You're going to lose on both sides. So we really needed the Chiefs to cover, and then that came in, and that kind of mitigated our risk. We were going to lose either way, but it wasn't the bloodbath that it would have been if we didn't take those two bets on the Chiefs because we, we need, would have needed them really badly um, mm. if we didn't get that late. So, When you talk about sharp money coming in and moving the lines, and I don't know if you can give us the exact numbers, but how much money are we talking? Like When you say it moves a point or, or two points, how much money really is that? It really depends on the person, the market, the time, the time of the week, mm. um, the amount of money. I mean, there's so many different factors, uh, you know, our number, what we think of the game. Okay. Um, so, you know, sometimes a sharp guy will come in and bet $500, we'll make a really aggressive move because we agree with it. Yeah. And other times somebody will bet 50000 and we don't agree with it, so yeah. we don't move it. So okay. it just really depends. It's time to start having a pretty honest conversation about how good these Chiefs are. That's my question. And I think that's why everyone keeps betting on them because they just say it's the Chiefs. It's so they homes. have to, yeah. right? Yeah. You play that game with yourself. The Chiefs aren't going to go to two and three, right? Even at home, even though the Bills are good or they're at home, this isn't a good football team right now. Their offensive line isn't good. Their defense is tragic. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes for a good stretch of the last couple of years, looked like a quarterback without a peer in the league. And now, certainly, he's still, I would say, is the best player in football. But he's got company that is very close by. Josh Allen was lights out yesterday. Averaged 21 yards per completion. They had seven explosive pass, uh, seven explosive pass plays against that Chiefs defense. And five yards per play is just not very Chiefs-like for that offense when they're giving up 8.1 yards per play. This is a team that's in trouble. And we saw the best in the AFC go at it yesterday where you had this game was the, the premier primetime game. But Browns-Chargers was also a lot of fun. And both of those yeah. teams are really talented. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The Chiefs are in trouble. I, I don't know if that's even a hot take at this point because we've seen enough evidence now to where they've looked bad. And on the Bills side, Matt, to your point of, of people being skeptical of the Bills, I think there's something to be said for taking care of business against bad teams. Yeah, How yeah. often do we see teams chew on their food, let bad teams hang around? We saw with the Saints against the Giants last week. Um, obviously, the Titans lost to the Jets. I, I think there's something to be said for showing up, being expected to kick the crap out of somebody, and then doing so. And we've seen that from the Bills, and now that performance carried over to a very decisive 38-20 win against the Chiefs. You say Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL right now? I think so. 
No argument for me. Really? So, <laughs> so do we think so? He has six interceptions on the season, which is all that he had last season, one more than he had in 2019. Is that just because he doesn't have the pieces around him to be performing? Who's your pick? I, that's what I was just trying to think. But Yeah, I think if you have a, a, a fantasy draft, with every single player in the NFL in the pool, Patrick Mahomes would be the first overall. Aaron, Do- Aaron Donald. Well, I was I was just gonna say though that that's why whenever people have this conversation, it's it's so difficult because they have completely different jobs. It's like he has the ball in his hand every single game. It's just I, I can never compare. So I guess if you say he's the best quarterback, I don't know. We can just make it a draft of quarterbacks. You put all thirty-two quarterbacks yeah. into a hat, and you get the first overall pick. I would guess that. 95% of people, maybe 90, taking Patrick Mahomes first overall. I certainly would. It's recency bias playing in my head, which sure. I'm sure he is the best quarterback We owe Matt right an now. apology. We <laughs> said we'd keep him for 15 or 20 minutes. I know, it's been much longer than that. Sorry. Matt, oh, thank you, man. Matt, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks fun. for having we me. We hope you no, enjoyed your appearance, and we'll come, uh, your appearance here. We'll, yes. we'll come back and join us again. Yeah, definitely. I want to say better luck next week, but I don't really wish you have better no, luck. No, we don't, want, don't wish us luck. Don't wish us luck. We don't need it. Yeah, so thanks, you'll get man. it without us wishing it to you. We appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, All right, man. thank you guys. Let's do winning picks. Uh, we're gonna go. I'm going back to NFL. Colts Ravens tonight. Ravens You've been on fire, seven. by the way. But don't change it. You're crushing. <laughs> thank you. You thanks. are crushing your player props. You had Matthew Stafford at 306 last week. Got that easily. It was like oh, in the, yeah. it was, it was like an 360 early, with it, game left. It was yeah, like a third quarter cash or early fourth quarter cash. You're yeah. two and zero oh, um, up two units. My teaser cashed last week, so I'm one and one back in the red. No, in the black, not in the red. I wasn't red. Now I'm in the black. We're learning the lingo. We're learning. Um, yeah. Nice. Good. Let's keep it rolling here. Thanks, man. Yeah. Combine don't, three don't and one me. so far. I'm, no, I'm not. Knock, I'm not knock, trying knock to jinx on you. I'm just going to be your hype man. Uh, yeah, I was kind of stuck between two. Lamar Jackson overpassing, which I do think if you like that number at two twenty-seven and a half, he's hit that in every game so far. So I might end up sprinkling some on that, but. I'm probably going to go Hollywood Brown over 54 and a half receiving yards at minus 125. He's hit this in all but one. He's had 91, 53, 113, 69, and he's had a pretty good volume of targets too, uh, no less than five in each game this year. So like I mentioned, I'm going to be on Jackson as well, but I'm going to go uh, Brown. That number's what again? My winning bet. 54 and a half receiving. So the one game he didn't get, he had 53 50, yeah. and he dropped three touchdowns. Exactly. I feel like I'm missing something there. Right. Why is it so low? I'm glad yeah. you went with it because I was going to and I went a different direction that I'll get to in a second. Feels like we're missing something. Yeah, and, and we might be. <laughs> but and, and we mentioned the traders. I'll I'll actually uh hit the traders up after if I if I'm confused by a line. And it's cool to hear the reasoning they have behind it. So I'm gonna ask them and then you know. Feels like we'll a smash spot Thursday. there at fifty four and a half. Yeah. And especially with Marquise Brown, you could do that in one play. Certainly, too. Exactly. He's been he's been cooking to start the season. I'm gonna go outside the box a little bit. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go in big. I'm taking a step, a little step back behind the three point line, <laughs> fade away three in my face. But like, if it goes in, it looks pretty good. <laughs> I was thinking about Michael Pittman. I was thinking about Marquise Brown. I think there's value there. But I'm going Mo Alley Cox. Anytime touchdown score at plus 550. Anytime. Let me tell you why. Okay. Jack Doyle, along with the starting tight end of this team. Uh, Mo Ali Cox outsnapped Jack Doyle 49 to 21 in week four against Miami. In that game, he put up a line of three catches for 42 yards and two touchdowns. This is a big dude, six foot five, 267, a nice red zone target for Carson Wentz. And this is a tasty matchup <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to tight ends uh, through. This is through 
through week five. Mm-hmm. Everything on Sunday counted. So through they've only played four games. Everyone else has played five. They've still allowed the fifth most fantasy points to tight ends. 30 catches, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. Mawali Cox, anytime touchdown score, book it. <laughs> anytime touchdowns are fun. It's uh-huh. a fun prop. Very much so. All right, I'll be cheering for you. Uh, we got a lot done in this show, so that was fun. Episode 10 in the books. We will see you guys on Thursday.